Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, Light 100.5 WRCH. 96.5 TIC. I'm Morgan Cunningham with you and Joan Nichols. She's our guest this morning on Face Connecticut. Joan is the executive director of the Connecticut Farm Bureau. Certainly a lot to talk about on the agriculture front. Good morning, Joan. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Morgan, and thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm very happy to have you on because I know that there are a number of issues that we're facing today when it comes to agriculture. Eggs come to mind. You know, you can't go to the grocery store without seeing very pricey eggs today. Yes, that's correct. And it's, um, I know it's been in the news. And unfortunately, once again, the country across the United States is uh, dealing with the impact of avian flu, which is a uh, a, a fatal uh, disease to our laying hens, and of course, it's devastating to not only the the animals themselves, the hens themselves, but also devastating to the the um, the producers, the farmers that that uh, produce our eggs. And consequently, because of the avian flu and also some other uh, uh, complicating factors like the, f- the feed costs and fuel costs that we've experienced the last year or two, um, has um, exasperated the, the price of eggs that our consumers are seeing in the supermarket. And in some cases, I've seen some prices that are, in fact, a little bit lower at the store. Um, those typically come from very local farms. Have you noticed that, too? Yes, I have, and, and um, as as many of our consumers are aware, our our food comes from you know across the United States, sometimes in other places of North America, sometimes in other places of the world. And so, one of the things that we continue to to tout the virtues of is uh, having a, a local source of you know protein, produce, a wide variety of agricultural products. For the simple reason that they're fresher, you're supporting local farms and local jobs, but also reduce transportation costs. We still have a high transportation cost, but certainly a lot less than transporting eggs, you know, across the country. I've noticed that there are some people, and I've known some people as well, who are raising their own chickens as an alternative, but that can't be easy or necessarily cheap either. Could you talk a little bit about that? Um, absolutely. Um, it, it is not cheap. And, and part of the reason is, as I had mentioned a, a few minutes ago, we have for the last two or three years seen uh, 
uh, escalating uh, and an increasing cost in feed costs. That's not only in the bulk feed that's delivered to the larger farms that comes in in the, the big feed trucks, but anybody that has any sort of a smaller um, livestock operation or poultry operation, even at the smaller scale, as you had mentioned, Morgan, is still going to go to the feed store and they'll notice that there's been a, a continuing increase in the price of feed for those 40 and 50 pound bags of feed that you buy at your local feed store. Um, and then not to mention the time and effort. There's a lot of satisfaction in producing your own fresh food, but there's a cost that goes along with that, not, not only in that, but also in your time. When we think about input costs, obviously fuel is a big one, but there are others as well. There's maintenance of the facilities and the equipment and so much more. What are some of the input costs that farmers are facing today? Maybe some that people wouldn't even think about. Yes. Thank you so much for bringing that up. So farms are heavily reliant on, on you know, inputs and products and, and farms products and, and supplies and equipment come into the farm and then there's also a cost in getting the products off the farm and into the marketplace. And what we have experienced in the last two two years and it's not expected to uh, we see any relief going into 2023 has been very, very, very high um, fertilizer costs. And the majority of the fertilizer that we use on our farms in Connecticut and actually in, in our region um, comes from other parts of the country, comes in from Canada, um, and sometimes even comes in from other parts of the world. And, uh, for instance, the, the, the crisis that's going on in the Ukraine has had an effect on fertilizer prices. Um, they were breadbasket, and, and there's had been an impact on fertilizer costs. But we're experiencing that. Our, our producers have experiencing somewhat up, up to 100 to 120% increase in fertilizer costs across the country. So it's fertilizer Fuel really spiked a few months ago at $5 a gallon for diesel. It's come down a little bit, but diesel is still expensive, and our farms are heavily dependent on fuel not only for to run their farm machinery and equipment, but also the, the trucks and transportation that transports products on and off the farm. And then labor. We have very high labor costs in in our part of the country, and um, that's not expected to uh, see any relief anytime soon either. And as likewise, as just the cost of supplies for the nursery industry, they've seen an astronomical cost in all of the the plastic container stock that they utilize for the nursery industry, the poly that goes on the greenhouses and hoop houses, because a lot of that is petroleum-based. There's been an increase in that cost. And then just the supply chain is has still has disruptions, and that, that you know, relates to increase costs and disruption in farm production. But our farms are very resilient and innovative. So despite those challenges, uh, there's still tremendous opportunity for agriculture in Connecticut. Our guest this morning on Face Connecticut is Joe Nichols, Executive Director of the Connecticut Farm Bureau. While we are definitely talking about a lot of cost increases, and I'm wondering, Joan, is there any kind of financial relief coming from either the federal government or from the state of Connecticut to help with all of the increases in input costs? 
Um, there was, um, last year we experienced climate change continues to be a real challenge, uh, I think for everybody, um, farmers and non-farmers, but our farmers who rely so much on water and soil, that's the lifeblood of, of farm production, have really started to see significant swings in, in climate, and that also is going on across the United States with what's going on currently in our those poor people up in, over in California. But last, this past year, we saw a significant drought. Um, a few years ago, we saw significant flooding. So there has been federal relief that has come in when we've had uh, situations like an extreme drought or an extreme flooding situation. That's certainly beneficial. One of the things that we want to commend the Connecticut General Assembly for is in the last legislative session, there was $14 million put forward um, from the Connecticut General Assembly funneled to our uh, good friends in the Connecticut Department of Agriculture to help farmers uh, implement climate smart agricultural practices and that will also help leverage the federal money that's coming through the USDA Natural Resource Conservation Service and all of that money is going to have a long-term benefit to our farmers in in helping them mitigate against the climate change and in helping uh, with with soil health, water conservation measures, energy conservation measures. So uh, we're very grateful to the federal and state uh, funds that have come in to help our farmers, and they're going to utilize that money to to its fullest potential so that it has long term benefits. Just a few moments ago, you mentioned climate change and the whole climate situation that we experienced last year, which was the drought. And it particularly affected eastern Connecticut. It affected all of the state. But you started to see the extreme levels of drought in southeastern and northeastern Connecticut. Could you talk a little bit about how that had an impact on farming then and how it looks now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually live in southeastern Connecticut, New London County. So I saw some of that. I mean, at the height of the drought, um, our livestock producers and our poultry producers, we have uh, a, one of the, the largest egg producers in the United States in four towns in eastern Connecticut. And at one point they had to um, uh, carry water in. So they were transporting tankers of, of water to, our, to the livestock, the, the cows, all of our livestock need water, and when the ponds and, and wells start to go dry, um, they needed to truck water in. Uh, chicken farms for a while had to truck, truck water in. So that was that was uh, challenging for a while until we got some rain restored, and then some of the crops suffered, primarily the forage crops. Their hay production was way off. Um, silage in some areas on the droughtier soils um, the, the yields on silage were lower than than normal because of that. Um, so our forage crops really suffered the most. So the livestock industry is going to continue to see the impact of that because, again, oftentimes if we can't produce enough hay or feed within our own state, we have to rely on bringing it in from Canada or other parts of the of the Northeast. And if other parts of the country are experiencing drought, that also increases the cost because um, hay is going to continue to go up because there's been a shortage of hay for livestock. 
it was definitely in some places particularly bone dry in eastern Connecticut and other parts of the state too, but especially in the eastern half of the state, I mean, there were streams and there were ponds that were either bone dry or next to bone dry, depending where you were and where you were looking. And I'm wondering what happens if that happens again this coming summer? Is there a way for our farmers to prepare for something like that, be it a lack of rain or even too much rain? Well, I think our, uh, you know, dealing with weather is is sort of the the bane of most farmers. Um, it, it can be their best friend or it can be their worst enemy, and and that's why we like to say farming as a as a full time occupation is not for the faint of heart because there's things that you have no control over, like Mother Nature. But getting back to the climate smart agricultural practices, I think our farmers um, have been seeing these uh, swings. Um, and many of them have already instituted um, water conservation plans. Uh, there are more and more farms that are going to wells versus groundwater or, or diversion out of, out of streams. Uh, for a variety of reasons, they're going more towards groundwater. Um, not that that's not always a solution because when we go into a drought, even groundwater can suffer um, losses. But um, they're constantly looking at many, many, many farms now are going to, um, to drip, you know, drip irrigation, water conservation measures, ways to um, mulch the soil and reduce the amount of evaporation and moisture that comes off the soil and keep it in the root system where the plants need it the most. Same thing with livestock. So, again, this, there's no one answer, easy solution to all of this, but our farmers have been implementing these measures. And if they, they haven't, they've been thinking about it over the winter. Um, and the other thing is you, utilizing knowing their farms and their soils. No farm, nobody knows their soil conditions and, and better than the farmers that farm the land. So they'll adapt with the type of crops they grow in certain areas that may be more prone to, to flooding or more prone to drought than others based on on soil and topography. Our guest this week on Face Connecticut is Joan Nichols, Executive Director of the Connecticut Farm Bureau, talking about agriculture and some of the problems and challenges that our farmers are facing today. Weather has a big impact on how successful maple products are. And of course, we are about about a month, month and a half away from maple season in Connecticut. It's not a long window, but it's that time of year where for a few weeks, all of the people who have maple products and farm out maple goods and and go to sell them, whether it's at their own farm or at some kind of a fair or maple festival. Um, How are things looking for the upcoming maple season this year? Well, that that's an excellent question, and our our um, you know native sugar maples, which are the are the trees that that are that produce the sap that produce that wonderful maple syrup that we all look forward to putting on our our pancakes. Um, those those trees and maple syrup production really needs um, swings cold. We need the really really cold below freezing temperatures at night and and cold root systems and then we need that to warm up a little bit during the day come uh pretty soon pretty soon coming up in you know the end of january february and and into march and i'm sure our maple syrup producers are looking at the winter we're having right now um and it's currently looking pretty mild i mean we've had almost no days that went below freezing and 
you know, for the foreseeable future, at least for the next few weeks, I just looked at the weather and it's supposed to, you know, pretty much stay above freezing. So that is less than ideal circumstances for maple syrup production because ideally sugar maples are a northern hardwood species and they really like that really bitter cold typical winter that we would like to see and then come spring when the sap starts to flow where we start to see where we may get above freezing and it may warm up during the day and then it freezes again at night and we have a nice snow cover that keeps the root system cold that's what the sugar maples like the most and over an extended period of time so it again remains to be seen what type of a maple syrup season we're going to have depending on what what type of winter winter this plays out to but being january and sugaring season as you had mentioned morgan not that far off again i think our producers are once again looking at the weather and seeing how that's going to impact their crop this year I believe last year the number was something like a million dollars in Connecticut in maple sales alone. That's, you know, it's such a niche market, but it's a great amount of money for the farmers in such a short period of time. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's a it's a very valuable product, and and um, I would venture to say, knowing many of our uh, maple syrup producers, because Connecticut Farm Bureau represents all commodities in the state, uh, including maple syrup. Um, most of that, at least here in Connecticut, if not all of it, is direct to consumer sales, you know, whether it's right out of their sugar houses or at their farm stands. And so, um, yeah, it's a very, very valuable product. And just it's such a part of New England that everybody really looks forward to. And what we like to say, you know, people think of maple syrup and the first state that comes to mind is is our good neighbors to the north in Vermont. But I'll tell you, we produce really, really good maple syrup here in here in Connecticut. And and it's such a nice uh, family opportunity to visit a sugar house um, on a cold day when they're making syrup and go into a warm sugar house and watch it being made. It's, It's nostalgic and it's such an important part of our New England heritage. Joan, talking about weather, the cold weather, the hot weather and everything, it reminds me of a little conversation that we had not long ago about the Connecticut General Assembly passing about $14 million to support climate-smart agricultural practices. Just what does that mean for our farmers? Well, that that was a, a, a phenomenal amount of uh, funding and, and deeply appreciated. So that money is coming in two pots. As we speak, um, the Connecticut Department of Agriculture is going to be receiving uh, grant proposals for $7 million of that $14 million. And the goal of that $7 million, which was a one-time allocation, is to get those funds right into the hands of farmers um, to help them implement climate-smart agricultural practices, whether it's to help them uh, at, like purchase farm machinery like no-till drills and and uh, all types of, of equipment to help um, help them with climate-smart agricultural practices, um, whether it's the purchase of equipment, whether it's technical support, whether it's a, a borrowing system for those farms that are, are uh, want to um, try these practices but um, have not actually gone out and purchased the equipment. There'll be some grant proposals for the sharing of equipment or for smaller farms that maybe don't need to outright purchase it, but maybe there are farms that can share equipment. So it's for a multitude 
of proposals um, that the Department of Ag is going to be receiving uh, applications on and then distributing the grants accordingly uh, this coming spring. That's $7 million. And then the other $7 million was to um, refund the Farmland Restoration Program, which was a program under the Malloy administration uh, to help farmers offset the cost of bringing land back into agricultural production, as well as instituting uh, climate smart agricultural practices on that land um, that they are reclaiming, as well as implementing additional conservation practices. And it also allows them to tap into the uh, federal funding that's available through the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service. So it's all direct financial support to our producers. Talking about money and laws and all of that, we are currently in a legislative session, Joan. Joan Nichols, Executive Director of the Connecticut Farm Bureau. Is there anything that your group and agricultural advocates and farmers are pushing for, hoping to get out of this year's legislative session? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, first thing that we we always like to say is – you know, we, we, you know, when we go to the General Assembly, we, our farmers don't ask for things that don't make sense and aren't directly going to help their farm families and their farm businesses. Um, no pun intended, but we tend to be a very grounded group. And so when we go to the General Assembly for a, a request or concern over a particular issue, it really does come from the heart of the farm. Um, There's not a lot of fluff that goes into farming. One of the issues um, that we would like to see is um, additional marketplace for our farm wineries. Um, It's been an issue, it's been in the news the past few years on on, um, getting uh, wine into supermarkets. Um, 42 other states already allow for the sale of wine in supermarkets. Over the last few years, our farm wineries have had some setbacks, yet many, of, if not all, of our farm wineries have had significant investments in growing crops, expansion of, of, of great production and fruit production, uh, investment in infrastructure to process Uh, the wonderful farm wines and and ciders that are coming off of our fruit and grapes. And one of the things that we would like to see is is an additional marketplace for farm, especially our farm wines and and supermarket. And that would be on parity with what the the brewery and and beer industry already has. So it's just aligning the the winery industry with, with the brewery. So that's that's an ask we would like to see, and that would that would greatly help our farm, our farm wineries. And then, uh, oftentimes we like to say, just don't do any harm. Uh, our farmers are good stewards of the land. There's tools that they need to to mitigate against pests and pathogens. Um, and we always like to say that you know our farmers are the best stewards of the land, and and the ones that know how to farm and produce food in a, a safe and healthy manner. So. We ask, you know, any any legislation that's put forward, um, you know, please talk to us. Please talk to our farmers and and seek guidance on on any legislation that's going to impact agriculture. We're happy to provide input. Joan Nichols, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Executive Director of the Connecticut Farm Bureau. We are running short on time. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about in this little update with you guys that you'd like to bring up before we go? 
I mean, I always say the, the, the takeaway here is we take the beautiful landscape that our farms provide, the, those open spaces, those open fields, those beautiful vistas, um, those well-maintained fields. We take that for granted, and they don't stay like that uh, by their own devices. And so please don't take our farms and our farmland for granted. It's a precious and finite resource, and support your local farm, and that will help maintain those beautiful landscapes that um, I think all residents in Connecticut make this state a special place to live. Joan, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Morgan, and you have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.